I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Wednesday, November 20, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. We have stuff to discuss today. They obviously filled the gap. You see the gap on the chart, 309.55. And by the way, as a result of that, let me just right out of the gate thank everybody for all the messages today. Inside the numbers members, many of them made money on a two-way street today. On one hand, a lot of traders traded the market down into the gap, sold the position, rebought a different position, and rode it back up. Some traders had a one-way ticket. Either way, they had the numbers, they had the schematic, and we had a pretty good handle on the important numbers. Is this the end of the road for the SPY on the downside? They filled the gap. They had a pretty nice rally away from the gap. We know, generally speaking, under garden variety market conditions, that's bullish behavior. But is it good enough? Is that it? Are they just going to continue to go higher? What we'll do here is go to different charts, different time frames to try and answer that question or at least give us the best opportunity to be right with an answer to that question. But generally speaking, and this is really more of an opinion than technical analysis. We'll get to the technical analysis in a moment. I'm going to give you an opinion first while we're staring at the daily chart. Before I do that, let's be reminded that we were pretty far extended from home base. Now, we're not so far extended from home base, but we're still a little bit extended from home base. It's customary to come back toward home base or eat some time off the clock, and let home base work its way up toward price. Well, is this enough is the question. My opinion is not necessarily. I believe they've got to banter back and forth for a little bit while longer. Maybe even make another low. Maybe retest the low. Maybe do a retracement. However, I'm not so sure they're just going to turn around and take off from here. That's an opinion, but it's an opinion drawn from looking at other charts, which we're obviously going to do together in a moment. While we're on the daily chart, which is essentially a longer-term chart for intraday traders, for shorter-term swing traders, however, what we do need to note is as we move in toward the end of the week, the weekly close becomes extremely important. Let's be reminded of something else. We talked about time. We always talk about the fact that time is more important than price. We also talked about price. We didn't get to the price we discussed, not yet anyway. Doesn't have to happen now, could happen later. However, that's the price that's on the table. It was 315.04. We don't know that it's gonna get there, but we would be interested Interested certainly on the short side in and around that price if they got there. All right, let's reel back a little bit and let's talk about what we do have on the table. We still have that time component. We'll get more into this after the week closes. However, I'll certainly be interested to understand what price this week closes at in relation to what price I think exists on the chart that says to me, hey, we're going to be done going up for a while. We're going to go sideways to lower for a while. There's a number that exists. 
I have the number what I think it is anyway, and whether or not the week closes above or below that number will be extremely important to me. Right now, there's technically nothing wrong with the market. They just ran down to fill the gap, and the SPY was down a buck. It's not a big deal. But what do we see when we go to other charts? When we start to minimize the chart into different time frames, shorter time frames. Well, we get different looks. We get a different visual. So on the daily chart, you don't really see a breakdown candle. It doesn't jump off the chart at you. You see other stuff. Now, all of a sudden, on the 240-minute chart, you see a breakdown candle. You see a nice reversal in the making, but they never did reverse the entire prior breakdown candle but what did they do they came back down not only to fill the gap but to do what come back to test the former breakout area however this isn't the only breakout area that exists in fact it's really the top end of what we can consider a breakout area that's where the story begins to get interesting and where you begin to tie together what i said before which is are they really finished going down yet they may be but there may be some other things on tap. So now you go down to a 120-minute chart and you get a different visual once again. Now we have the same breakdown candle. They're below the 20-period moving average, but above the 50. Came in to test the 50, which happened to coincide with the gap. Does any of this stuff sound familiar? Did we review this stuff yesterday? Did we discuss some of the things before the fact that you now see after the fact? And the answer is yes. Remember the bearish pattern up here? And we saw that on other charts as well. But what do we have now in front of us? Well, we know what we have. We have the top of the breakdown candle. The top happens to be 311.62. So for argument's sake, let's just say the market gapped above that price tomorrow morning. That's bullish, period, full stop. But if they run up and test that area and can't get above that area, if they can't close a 120-minute candle above that area, that's not bullish. Now, there's a lot of time in a 120-minute candle, and certainly the market can do a lot of damage on a 120-minute time frame. But what we also know is that all charts act and react the same way. So what we see on a 120-minute chart applies on other time frames so we can condense the concept down to a shorter intraday time frame if we're looking for a shorter-term trade. And that brings up another important point because I get this question all the time. And here's the question. I want to take the course, but I really can't sit in front of the computer all day isn't just for day traders and the answer is absolutely not all charts act and react the same way many many traders only use hourly charts daily charts and even weekly charts and nothing shorter than that so therefore it applies to swing trades just the same how about the hourly chart do we see anything different do we see anything confirmatory or non-confirmatory on the hourly chart and the answer is It really looks the same. It's just another candle or two. However, we're running up to test the top of the breakdown candle. What they do at the top is going to be important. If they close an hour above there, guess what? It's not bearish. It's bullish. If they can't, guess what? It's not bullish. It's more bearish. Now, 
It doesn't have to be totally bearish. They don't have to get through on the first run. And by the way, just to throw a short hop in the mix for a second, I want to backpedal for a moment and talk about the reason why the market went down. Most would say the reason why was because of the news that came out about the China deal, the non-China deal, the agriculture purchases, the tariffs, whatever it is, it doesn't make any difference. We all have China fatigue. What I would say, and I understand this is a hard concept to wrap your head around, but what I would say is the market was going to run down and fill the gap and the China deal was a convenient excuse. Reason, excuse, tomato, tomato, what difference does it make? They went and filled the gap. If the news was as bad as it was today, how come they didn't keep going down? Think about that for a second. Look at the volume in this candle when that happened. The volume was about 15 million shares. This is an hourly chart. That's a lot of volume for an hourly candle. That was real selling. Why did it stop and go back the other way if the news was that meaningful? I can't answer that. Maybe somebody else can. By the way, what else do we have right above the breakdown candle high? Right around 311.50 is the 20 period moving average. So under normal garden variety market conditions, there will be overhead resistance up there. Here's a five minute chart. Just to do another short hop, have some fun for a moment. Look what happened here. So on this candle at 1300, comes down and makes a low a couple of pennies below 309.55 and has a pretty quick rocket ride right away from that price. Think there were traders waiting at the gap? And then what happened? What happened then is the trick trap fool and frustrate crew shows up. Why? Because they need to shake out the Johnny come latelys that thought they saw a bottom. They need to hop on for the ride and then they get shaken out with a slightly lower low and then the market takes off. Happens all the time. Here's a 15 minute chart. Haven't we discussed this before? If you've been around for a while, you'll remember this conversation. The market makes a bottom, rips up, and then comes back down to make another low. There are traders here, here meaning sitting below the low with a stop. They bought the market long, they put their stop below the low. What's down there is called liquidity. Who's going to buy up that liquidity? The big players, the big money players, the institutions. You know what comes next. Little Jimmy had his stop. This is little Jimmy in mom's basement. He had his stop down here and the guys at Goldman Sachs came and got it. There's another group of traders out there also. There's another group that have been taught to sell the break of the low. Let's discuss that strategy. We've done this before, but it's worth doing again because there's still a lot of traders even ones like you that are listening to me right now that like to sell a break of the low. Now, sometimes it works, but here's the deal. It's the 80-20 rule in reverse. 80% of the time, it doesn't work. It's the same trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew that work both sides of the tape. Let's move on and take a look at Camp IWM. 20-period moving average, spike through it, closed above it, it's interesting, it's still making a bull flag pattern any way you want to look at it. Now, if the market comes down again and we start closing below the 20 period moving average, especially below today's low, and why is that important? Well, you tested this low here, it also happens to coincide with this pivot high, so we know the market thinks that this price zone in here is important. Now, you have the 20 period moving average 
moving up. And if we come back down below, you're going to have to start thinking in terms of heading toward these moving averages. Maybe they don't get there. The moving averages could creep up toward price. I'm just pre-planning just in case this bull flag pattern begins to fail. Now, the weekly close on the IWM will also be important, but we're well above the moving averages now from a weekly standpoint. So it'll be interesting to see if we stay above. If we do, and we're just eating time off the clock, what is this doing? Well, it's essentially eating time off the clock, building energy to make another or continuation move higher, as we've talked about before. We're hanging around the top end of this channel. Have not been rejected this time yet from the top end of this channel. That has to be a puzzle piece. It's on the table. When you look at stuff like that, you have to put the day-to-day back-and-forth nonsense out of your mind, and you have to think bigger picture. What's the market really doing here? Because you want to make sure that you're positioned for the big moves when they happen rather than trying to hop on a big move as it's happening, which is also known as chasing the market. It's a good thing we took a stop down at the transportation department because this market is actually giving us information that we don't necessarily get from the other markets. As the second favorite market leading indicator and the number one canary in the coal mine, the transports, which by the way, have been the canary in the coal mine now, haven't they? In fact, I would say that over the last several trading sessions, the transports have given us the most pertinent and clearest picture and information of what's to come. Now, we can say that now because it's Monday morning quarterback because it already happened. But the reason why it's my favorite canary in the coal mine is because I've gone through this exercise many, many times. And it's the transports that tells the tale. They are absolutely screaming to come down to 10,500. Maybe slightly higher, but that's the general neighborhood. 10,550, 10,600, 10,500. In that neighborhood, you see what I'm looking at? I'm looking at the 50-period moving average and the break-up candle low. Somewhere in that neighborhood is where this market essentially is being drawn to, in my opinion. How about the Qs? They look similar to the SPY. Really the same type of market activity, same price action. And by the way, price action is just a fancy term for price movement. Price movement has been around since the beginning of time. Price action was invented along with many of those useless lagging indicators. You know... The one from Bill and Ted's Indicator Shop, they don't work. The XLF, anything catastrophic here? No, it's just working its way back down toward the 20-period moving average, eating time off the clock. It's still in a bull flag pattern. If it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's a duck until we discover it's not a duck. Right now, these charts are still ducks from a long-term perspective. Now, the ducks could certainly be stumbling around for a while back and forth, but they're still a duck. How about the SMH? This is the proxy that follows the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index. 
Almost got to the 20-period moving average. Now, this market is slightly ahead, meaning ahead in terms of the downward direction. Now, this is also a leading indicator. It's a leading indicator mainly specific to the tech sector. So, when we look at the Qs and we look at the SMH, do we see the same thing? The answer is no, we don't. The Qs look more like the SPY and the SMH looks more like the transports due to the SPY, the SMH looks similar to the Qs. So I'm making an analogy. It's not perfect. They don't really look the same when you compare the two. The transports really are ahead of the game. They're the one that's actually leaking the most to the downside. But here's a question for you. What if the SMH needs to come down and fill this gap or worse, What's the rest of the market doing at the time? Well, I can tell you the rest of the market's not going north. It's heading south. So this is definitely a puzzle piece. It's on the table. Here's another short hop. I haven't done this in a little while. I think it's important for those of you considering becoming Inside the Numbers members to see what was going on today. Here's a copy or the actual pre-market morning notes. Scroll up a little bit. You see the rest. And then if we scroll up here, you see what was going on throughout the day. I'm not going to read it to you. You can stop the video. You can read for yourself and see what the thought process was as the day went on. It's akin to a tour guide for those traders that are active during the day that want commentary for intraday activity, especially when the market starts moving. When the market starts moving, we pretty much have the numbers. Not all the time, not 100% of the time. Nobody does that, but you know the routine. We get it right most of the time. We also had some stocks on the move that hit their target numbers today. We didn't get one of those Roku-like trades, but we'll take a look anyway. Stocks on the move look like this. We'll get it to the screen here. There they are. We'll take a look at the charts. We'll go through the charts. Nothing was earth-shattering. By the way, before we move on, Let me just point something out and focus on this. Think about what was said long before the market opened. This is part of the pre-market morning notes. If they begin getting down to and below ES3100, we'll be on it and have the numbers. Said early morning low, and that's a number we're talking about earlier, is in the same ballpark as the big fat round number of ES3100. Logic would say the market participants on the bear side will run a retest of this area or even slightly lower. The bulls will need to put up a goal line stand down there or things could start accelerating. Now here's where you need to pay attention. Where's the next spot below the fat round number? About 10 handles or points lower is another pretty solid area where the buy the dip crowd would likely try and dig in. Here's the S&P E-mini futures contract. Since we were using ES3100 in the prior conversation, we'll continue on the same plane. Where's the low of the day? 3,090.75, about 10 handles or points lower than 3,100. The information inside the numbers every single day, if you're paying attention, is valuable. That was also around the gap. I'm saying the numbers and using various charts, but giving it in a variety of different ways because we have traders trading different vehicles. Some trade the SPY, some trade the futures, some trade options. I'm trying to give everybody their due. Back to the stocks on the move. Back to stocks on the move. The first one we'll take a look at is T. 
also known as Ma Bell. Not a big deal one way or the other. We had two support levels. They were relatively close together. It came down first thing in the morning and had a nice rally away from it. Let me show you the problem. This was the problem. This includes the pre-market morning activity. Right before the opening bell, they came and did the number and took off. And by the time the opening bell rang, they opened above the number and took off. So a lot of traders would get scared away from that, me included. But just to go and show you the importance of the numbers, to a small degree, you can see the numbers were still supportive anyway. We're headed to a destination. We talked about that yesterday. Some stocks get a really, really fast and tremendous bounce or rally away from the destination. Some have to hang around for a while. We never really know which one is which. The next one we'll look at is JD.com. 3149 was the entry. Again, not a big deal. In fact, earlier in the day, they tried to come down, missed it, came later in the day. That would likely scare away most traders, me included. But you can see the importance of the numbers. It works anyway. It works anyway most of the time. Keep in mind, these are on the board at 8 o'clock in the morning, some the night before, 7.30 in the morning, all kinds of stuff. I don't always need to see the pre-market activity to know where the number is. The last one we'll look at, AMRN, same thing. This one actually had a bounce at the number earlier in the day. Here's a one-minute chart so you can see what happened. Again, when price levels or support areas, in this case, are close together, we basically can take half a position at the first, the second half at the second, your average is in the middle, you see what happened. That's a winning trade. Some keep running all day, some come back down, but once again, just to prove the point, you can see the importance of the numbers. And that, my friends, is a pretty good place to pull the ripcord for today. Before I do, I will thank each and every one of you. I appreciate each and every one of you. Without you, these videos are not possible. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.